review podcast track this out i'm your host whispering bob burnham and joining me on the bridge are Lindsay, john andrea and sucky hello guys you okay yes <laughs> cool cool uh, my technical director or helper uh, morn has returned from corfu with gloria hunniford and their new baby tascam Morn having super space seed uh, means that his child is the appearance of a 40-year-old like Tom Hanks in the film Big. On this episode of the podcast, we'll be reviewing the new series of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 7, Unification 3, giving our lights out of five, reading out your feedback to the story, voting for this week's Richard, and here's some random things along the way. God, I can't whisper that long. It's very out of breath. Christ, you're really, you're really hammering that joke home, aren't you, Bob? It wasn't a joke, John. It wasn't the entire a joke. intro of it. No, I've been, I've been to acting lessons, actually, uh, at the yeah, Michael well, Burnham School of Acting, so that's, that's how I talk now. back. Um, yeah, because it's shy. Anyway, I'm going to turn on the drive and let's jump into this. I want the truth for all of us. Didn't my crew and I work together to save all sentient life in the universe? Didn't you see all of us, imperfect and flawed as we all are, still live up to our best ideals? It is the greater good I am fighting for. Together, you could create something bigger than yourselves. That's what the Federation is. Well, that was an exciting trailer. Mm. Um, before we crack on, I'd like to, as always, get our first vibes uh, to the episode, which was um, Unification 3. Um, who do I come to first? Andrea. Uh, well, I kind of wish I'd had this week off instead of last week. Because um, if that was an exciting trailer, then it would trade standards need to be telephoned. Um, I'm, I'm not a happy, smiley face this week, I'm afraid. Um, I did not enjoy that. Cool. That's a big negative. Lovely. It's okay. Okay, I, I understand this is a talky, talky episode, a lot talky episode, but there was a lot of stuff that you can digest from it, and I, I enjoyed what I did see, but I can understand there's a there was hardly any action that which might have annoyed some fans, and certain aspects of certain characters might have annoyed others, but me personally, I thought it was okay. Yeah, that's good yeah. then, tepid, tepid, negative tepid, Lindsay. Yeah, so I I didn't hate it. Um, there are a couple of what I, I'm going to refer to as oh discovery moments, uh, where you're just like, <laughs> you could have probably not done that, and I would have been happier. Um, but yeah, no, I think there were some there were the bones of some really good stuff in there. Um, so yeah, and I'm definitely not as uh, negative as I think some people out there in the wider world are. Yeah, so tepid, tepid, negative, John. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. I loved the, the stuff that they did was very Star Trek. I watched it the first time and I was annoyed at a lot of things that you guys were. But I watched it a second time and tried to look at it from a different perspective. And I, I, could, I can justify a lot of what's in there. And I'm sure I'll be asked to at some point. Um, cool. So I quite enjoyed it, yeah. Oh, so that's fairly positive. Well, I'm that just going to... positive. Is, sorry, that is positive, John. Yeah, mm. so we've got negative, tepid, tepid, positive. So, I, as I, as I, I noticed the title of this um, a couple of weeks ago, whatever, when I said it on the podcast, Unification 3, because I've just watched, or just did watch Unification 1 and 2, which I rewatched again in the build up and anticipation to this episode. Um, I even watched uh, Absolute Candor from um, 
uh, from from Picard as well. Just getting ready for this this glorious episode of Star Trek. It's fucking fuming all the way through it. Fuming, fuming, fuming. Uh, I mean, they had the elements there, but anyway, yeah, it's just fucking. Oh, and I tried to watch it again, and I got 15 minutes in, 14 minutes, 52 seconds in, I had to knock it off. It wasn't good for me blood pressure, uh, put it that way. And that is very unusual for me. And we'll obviously come into why when we get in deep to the podcast. But before all that, it's time to get your no- you get to know your host in Discover Me, Discover You. Uh-huh. Discover me, discover you. Uh-huh. There is nothing else I rather do. Discover me, discover you. Uh-huh. Let's get to know our host. Discover me, discover you. This is where each week I'll ask our our, our okay. host some questions to get to know them. Um, so I'm going to just rattle through a few questions here. Uh, who's going to? Who John, I'm going to come to you first. Right, right. Okay. In 2010, a police hunt in the northeast of England was de- was deployed to locate and bring down confirmed mentalist and murderer Raoul Thomas Mort. Uh, an unlikely hero presented themselves in the form of Middlesbrough football legend Paul Gazagascoy, um, and he has recently uh, stated his rationale about when he was embarking on this adventure. He said. Uh, I just remembered that I was in a taxi. I had a fishing rod, some chicken, four cans of lager and a fishing jacket. Uh, that's what he said. He said, I thought that I could take Raoul Mort fishing because he was near a river. <laughs> uh, which is amazing. I love it. Uh, and also, so the question is, John, sorry, um, what mode of transport would you have used and what goods would you have taken Raoul Mort confirmed murderer? Well, if I was in Gaza's situation, he was already in a taxi, so why don't you just do a taxi? Yeah. Um... But myself, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have chartered a balloon, so I could evade the cops, and I would have gone for a top-down approach. I'd have landed next to him. I'd have, might have landed in between the cops and him. Amazing. I said, look, look, Raoul, mate, I'm not Gaza, but you, you know, we can go fishing and have some chicken. Yeah. And yeah, four can, four cans between two. Yeah, it's not going to fill up. That and it might, have, it might have turned out differently. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm sh- it's a shame you weren't there, John. Uh, Lindsay, I'm going to come to you next, actually. Okay, you ready? I came in like a wrecking ball. That was the mantra of 90s annoying massive pink spotty prick called Mr. Blobby. How many balls have you wrecked in your life, Lindsay? (laughs) Any balls? Yeah, any balls, really. You know, meatballs, ball balls, Um, my balls. To be fair, my, my head went to, like, balls as in, like... Dressing up and going to a swanky mm. party ball. That's where mine. That's where mine went as well. Did you stick to that? That was oh, classy place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my, my thought. My thoughts were entirely scrotal. I'm afraid. <laughs> Go on, Ad. Okay, well, I'll give you one of each. Uh, once I, uh, at the age of tender age of maybe 15, uh, need my then oh, boyfriend God, quite strongly um, during lunch at school because uh, he said something I didn't like. <laughs> did it perhaps more damage than I had intended? Keeps a bit balls. Uh, and I need him, but uh, wow. yes, with some considerable force, I think. Wow. If you were to look him up and he's got now kids, right, he's been happily married for many, many years, you're going to put, we're going to yeah. be able to put all the blame on you and your schoolgirl days. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that the damage was quite that extensive, but 
I was, yes, I think I was somewhat floored by the amount of pain I had caused with what did not seem That's like... It, I bet he was fucking floored as well. I'm not as floored as him. Yeah. Wee. Jesus. Big lads on, on gags there. Uh, well, that was, that's so that says you're quite aggressive then, doesn't it, Lindsay? But you In asked, certain circumstances, yes. Uh, you say you had a second one way to resolve an argument, I suppose. <laughs> you said you have another ball wrecking star. <laughs> Um, no. Well, it was kind of post-ball. Uh, one of my friends and I had uh, caused the evacuation of an entire uh, student residence in a post-ball shenanigans situation. What, did you, what were you doing, like? The worst fight ever. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was, John. No, we uh, we were trying to stop somebody else from burning the, the flats down and in the process forgot about the toast they were making. Um, yes. So... Sure. There was an evacuation. So there were a lot of very grumpy people either in ball gowns or sleepwear. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Oh, Andrea, um, this is your question I concocted last week. Um, I'll take the shag. I don't care what's attached to it. Uh, it might it might not involve that, actually, Andrea. So let's go through the question. Uh, you've been orange cordially invited to the medi- to the medieval times, uh, which you will ac- access using Doc Brown's backup of his time-travelling DeLorean, Marty McFly's gilet or no-sleeve puffer puffer. Uh, you decide to respond in a positive manner and don Marty's temporal body warmer and arrive at approximately and on the cusp of sun-up in the medieval times. Uh, with all the excitement... Um, in, in the partaking of this strange event, you forgot to have your tea. Uh, with the adrenaline settling down, you now realise that you are Hank Marvin and hungry. Unfortunately, one of the side effects of time travelling using the half court is that you can shift your shape randomly into a bispectacled and clean guitarist. Uh, in the shadows, though, um, you can just about make out the figure of what appears to be a hooded man-beggar. Um, and as you as your ravenous for some medieval mates, you whisper through the shadows, Hey there, hooded human beggar, have you got any casts of meat? Uh fuck off! He booms in reply. After a short pause, a belly laugh fills the air. Uh, the beggar shouts, I'll give you a cast off of beef of meat. Um, there's a thirteen percent chance this hooded boombox um is uh, Jason that Jason Isaacs using a meta a metaphor uh, for a chomp on his love stick. Andrea, would you play medieval hooded human beggar roulette and accept this offer in the hope that you can delve into an all can eat all can eat Jason Isaacs meaty buffet. <laughs> That was a really long story, Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah, just to get <laughs> really, to that. Really, really long. Oh. I've got to be honest, my, my mind has gone to a completely different place, and I'm kind of hoping that, like, like it, it's it's not for once, it's not Jason Isaacs under the, the, the sort of hood, and I'm hoping from Ash from uh, Armies of Darkness um, with his boomstick so we can take up <laughs> the medieval times. That is the plan. All oh, right, cool. well, it's only thirty percent. It is Jason, uh, Jason Isaac, so all good, all good. I'm, I'm hoping that there are many more percent that it's us, <laughs> and we're going to do Army of Darkness. Oh, I'm going to resist Bruce Campbell. That's what I can say. Who can resist him? Um, I don't know who he is, but it, that's fine. I'm, don't I'm, know who she's from. I'll, Evil find Dead. Out, I'll find out one day. Okay. Um, anyway, your question is okay. Are you ready? No. Well, ah, I've not sent you it this week either. I know, so, yeah. It's uh, hot off the press. <laughs> um, the beard style, goatee, uh, usually worn by evil mirror universe people, is also known as a jizz bib. Um, putting this into a beard style length context chart, your beard would provide enough spaff protection to absorb and divert how much milky goodness. In litres and pounds, please, Sucky, in litres and pounds. 
Well, what what exactly does that mean? <laughs> what? Is the confusion the merger of the metric and imperial systems there to report that like amount? To be fair, I was about to go liters and pounds. Like... Liters and pounds. What do you like, metric or not? Not metric, imperial, or whatever it is. Do you like pounds or liters? Pounds is like a weight measurement and litres is a liquid measurement, yeah. so the two are not really comparable. Oh, oh, there's, there's an amount of liquid and, it, and I want you to weigh it as well, so it's litres and pounds, okay. How, so a goatee is relatively short, nice and trim, so that's where your starting point. Now your beard's beautiful and massive, isn't it? So when you use the beard context chart for the jizz, how much do you think you would get in your beard? None. Litres and pounds. Why? None. Why would I have jizz in my beard? <laughs> Tell yeah. me again. Now, I'm going to save that for my fucking ringtone, that. <laughs> yeah, you can save it whatever you like. <laughs> I would just like to know where Bob gets these questions from. I just don't get it. Well, oh, God, it's okay. I'm... These <laughs> are creative talents that are being poured into these questions I feel could be better, like, what? directed what? into, for example, fanfic or stand-up material. This is, this is Bob's fanfic. This, yeah, is, this is what yeah. we're seeing. Oh, okay. I didn't realise that. Right, I was never so, what do you reckon your surface area of your beard is then, Sucky? Uh, I'm going to say it's Let's not this Don't accurate. you get involved, John. Uh, Just leave uh, it alone. All right. All right, mate. It's your question. Fair enough. To be honest, it was worth it just to say what ATA Sucky said. Why would I Why would I have jizz in my beard? Um, cool. Well, thank you very much, guys. Uh, yeah, we've we've got a lot about our horse there. That's that's great. Um, I heard nothing learned from <laughs> me, did you? We've learned quite a lot about Bob, I think, is what we really need to say. Anyway, let's let's get on with this review in deep. So you're listening to uh, Trek This Out podcast, and we're reviewing the new dis- episode of Star Trek Discovery, um, Unification Three. Um, tepid, tepid, negative, negative. Positive, and let's go positive. And I'm going to come to you, ye first, John. Yeah, what would you like to know? Stuff about what you think about this episode of Star Trek and that. There are there are parts of it that right. Let's just go to Nivar first of all, which is uh, the change of Vulcan. We get lots of uh, reveals about the way because we're, we're interested when Discovery went to the future. What has changed? And this is a massive thing that changed, and it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's uh, uh, and they're tying it all in with trying to use um, that that method of like scientific evaluation that she tries to use as a sort of loophole. Um, I like that because it reminded me of like like old like court case episodes of, of like TNG and stuff, uh, where somebody's put on trial or you have to justify something and all that stuff. Yeah. And I thought that was pure Trek. That was great. I did like that, and and I think. We've still got to worry about what the actual Federation, whether it is really as good as Burnham and others uh, and Saru and people are suggesting that it is. Because uh, Admiral Vance jumps rather quickly to use um, Burnham as his way in to uh, Navarre, trying to get them back in. Yeah. So my question is, like, do we, do we does, is this the Vulcan salute or the Navarre salute now? Well, I like it. Like, historically, it could still be Vulcan. Mm-hmm. What, the, the, the Barracuda? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, and this is where it becomes complicated because, as you know, we live in a unified nation, sort of. Um, like, we cohabit nicely together. It doesn't mean there aren't things that are Scottish and or English. It just means that we also have things that are British. Yeah. So, it could well still be the Vulcan salute. Yeah. 
The Vulcan salute is like haggis or something else that is more popular in Scottish. Fucking love or, haggis. I Aggie snakes and tatties with gravy. Unbelievable. Uh, it's okay. Yes, you were mate. quite tepid. So what's your? No, I wasn't tepid. I, I enjoyed the episode because it does bring out. It, it's as John says. It's a talky episode. It is a talky episode. And a lot of people in the comments that we've had seem to do just do not like a talky episode. They seem to want some other aspect. But this episode is needed to be able to get Vernon back in board with the Federation. Get her just within uh, uh, her ideals of the Federation is being reinforced enforced again by her. She's understanding what's happening. The, it's also understanding what's happening in the thousand years since Discovery left, what's happened to Vulcan. Vulcan and Romulus, uh, Romulans, uh, the Vulcans and the Romulans have come together, but they're still uh, deep, deep, deep uh, distrust between the two, two different uh, um, the races there mm. on that planet. And they still seem to have some sort of infighting going on. Uh, there's also a lot of distrust between the Federation and Navarre, as they're now calling themselves, right? And Navarre seems to have some information about how the Federation seems might have been uh, a lot more distrusting over them thousand years than they have been. And that also is brought into play now, right? Uh, as John says, uh, there's um, there's by the looks of it, uh, Trina, the president, seems to imply that the Federation has been up to no good in them thousand years. Uh, so there, there's also that's coming into play. Whereas the Discovery crew, Saru, Saru Burnham, they have that ideals from a thousand years ago, and they seem and they want to uh, go with these Federation ideals from a thousand years. But in a thousand years, a lot of things evolve and they change. And by the looks of it, someone has changed within that federation, which has caused Navarre yeah. to uh, leave the federation. It's also uh, um, they've been forcing other planets to uh, help the federation a bit more than they could actually uh, go. Go on, John. Sorry. I, I really liked how like it, the the idea that the federation got so big that it it began to, like it, it the, the parallel is with oil at this rate as well. Sorry, some. What? I was just gonna say it's like the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, it just got too big. The British Empire got too big, and they just got, you know, there was all infighting all over the place, right? And this is probably what's happened, right, to the Federation as well, where they've just got too big, they can't control anything, and they haven't got enough resources to be able to carry on, and they're just forcing the the more well off to try and provide for the smaller ones, yeah. and well, it's just. Gone back. Oh, tr tree, is it Trina? Go on, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, no, no, like, and I think, so for me, that that's where some of the value of this episode comes in. Like, for me, the bits between uh, Tarina and, uh, or the president of Navarre, however we're pronouncing her name, and Saru were really sound. Like, I really enjoyed those. Um, Saru's innate kind of diplomacy and his, his desire to, to kind of be involved in that kind of diplomatic role worked really nicely. Um, and when she's going, you've got to understand it wasn't just the burden. Like for me, that level yeah. of like depth of intrigue is, is where the value sits. Um, in terms of something being too big, I totally get that too. But it's an interesting juxtaposition between, you know, particularly if you look at it in relation to to to, to Europe or like you know I hear Americans now saying regularly that America is too big to function. Like mm. that that's quite an interesting place to get to. Like what is too big and and how uniform does a group need to be in terms of 
resource and objectives in order to be functional and useful. Um, so yes, I totally agree that it may well have been that the Federation itself was too big and it was not sustainable. But what does that look like when we boil it down to like a kind of um, a modern day comparative? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think that the the resources issue because uh, a lot of it. I mean, this is what and they made the point that it isn't the only reason why uh, the Vulcan Navarre uh, split from the Federation, but. Um, when something gets so big that and it relies entirely on one resource, like I was just trying to say that before, oil is a is a similar thing. When it gets to the point where oil is uh, difficult to get hold of, uh, and they start to, that becomes more important than doing the things that the Federation is supposed to do, which is look after people and just you know all that stuff. That they lost less sight of their um, sort of ideals because of of like resource depletion and. And the urge to, once you've got in the situation where you've got 350 odd planets, and then all of a sudden the thing that you can use to travel between them all disappears or goes away, then it because in order to keep that thing solid and and, uh, and a single entity, they need to exp they need to you not that's the word uh, deplete the resources of all the other planets in order to try and do that. So it was the the greater good thing. Um, uh, where the the greater good was more of the federation was more important than these planets doing their thing. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you, sorry, John. I was going to say, I tell you, I tell you what's not changed: the fucking Vulcan's haircuts. You thought after I, I used to go to a barber called Barber Bell, right? In uh, in where, where where I used to live, and he did the same haircut for everyone. You know, flat top or you know, back and sides or whatever. Uh, then he'd also bloody he, he'd always say something for the weekend. Oh, oh, jungle juice. He used to call gel jungle juice. Uh, what I'm saying is he did the same haircut. So obviously whoever teaches hairdressing on Vulcan, I know they've got all the sciences and all that kind of stuff. They've got just basically a fucking a mother cutting hair, putting a ball on the head. Do you know what I mean? Like, why? Why have you not? Why have they not fucking changed their haircut in a thousand years? Why, why change a classic? Why change a classic? Because it looks shit. What? It looks shit. It's like a fucking mum's put a ball on a kid's head. I disagree. Of... They don't. Some of them wear it better than others, but they're not all awful. And I think like because I had exactly the same thought, where I was like, Vulcan fashion slash Romulan fashion hasn't really changed at all in, in however many hundreds of years. Um, but we also have to acknowledge that if we want there to be something reminiscent about the society like we want to feel like they're Vulcan so mm. therefore they've got to keep them at least vaguely Vulcan because um, yeah otherwise that's the thing my question about Navarro was like I don't it's interesting because like I've, I've, what I've written down is like I don't like they need to give us some evidence like fair enough don't sh share all your data about how you made the thing work but if you are convinced that you are responsible for this and that you understand what happened and where it's originated because that's what they're basically saying they're like we know there was a point of origin because we've got all this data um why would you not share that um, is it but, the fact that that point of origin isn't actually them do they know something that they don't want to say because like loads of shit's going to break out or I, I feel like whatever that data says it's not what we would expect it to say based on what's being said so does it point the finger squarely at somebody else yeah, so I, I like I have written it's not very logical to take the blame but not to share the data. But then again, Vulcans are notoriously not actually as logical as they pretend to be, and that's before you add the Romulan obscene like um, obsession with secrecy and like uh, whatever level of deception that they're at at the moment. Go ahead, John. Um, I, like I was waiting so long, I forgot my point. <laughs> I was just finishing uh, my thought. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, but I forgot my point. I'm not, not, not being facetious. <laughs> Go on, it's okay. Do you little, think little the, the, the Vulcans, they've actually point. got their they've got their data and it is pointing to Earth and the Federation uh, and it's something's happened from there and that's where their distrust has now gone from uh, onto the, on, on the Federation. That's why they've left. Mm, possibly. Well, John, you remembered. Uh, yes, well, it's like they offered the excuse that there are political and cultural ramifications for revealing this data. What those are, we don't know. Yeah. But, you know, some things... Uh, uh, some you know some people don't want certain experiments done because it would disprove something that keeps their faith or whatever going and I reckon that might be something like that uh, and that the unification perhaps came about um, as a kind of way of uh, bridging a lot of gaps and the, to, it would be a backward step if like every suddenly this data was released and it, it like caused an issue but that's what the whole point of that trial was that like well, not trial but you know what I mean that um, what was it called Takalim Ket yeah Takalim the whole point of that was like can they, they worked out that Burnham can be trusted to take that information they were worried that that information would be used for something in some way and, it, and whatever that is we don't, we're not quite sure but that's the whole reason behind it I mean I, I think the secrecy for the sake of itself is not because they're keeping it secret uh, I think they have yet to prove by that SB19 data alone that it's not them or they would have done something about it Very what, true. what do we think SB19 actually stands for like I feel COVID, like we sh- COVID-19 <laughs> <laughs> I was like well I, I feel like it like it should stand for something I feel like well, we might discover that later but isn't isn't the SB19 stuff just the network of, of like uh, monitoring stations or whatever but I, I want to know what the actual experiment they were doing to try and, you know, try and replace dilithium. They well, it, it looks like some kind of transwarp, didn't it? Yeah, they told you that it's like a Did little wormhole so they can just go through. Go on. Sorry, Andrew. I was just going to say, I've just had like a, a marginally, potentially clever thought in the sense that you've had quite a lot of build-up around sort of just dropping references to the Murray universe and the fact that the Murray universe is moving further away and nobody's crossed over for a long time. And I'm, I'm trying to think that it wasn't it, this sort of transport system to do with gateways. Are those two things... Oh, right, yeah, yeah. those oh, two things cool. join up in some way? I'm going to say SB19 stands for Space Broadcast. <laughs> But, I, or space bunnies? Maybe it's see, like a, a rabbit warren. Maybe that's what space they've discovered. Balls. Space, a space <laughs> rabbit warren. Space bum. Yeah, space uh, bum. It's okay. Cheers, man. Yeah. Uh, that uh, bit that Andrews just space says about uh, the mirror universe, right? That uh, it's also is that some maybe to do with Giorgio as well, where she's suddenly starting to have all these. I don't know. But I like that. I like this. Uh, I like so, this dark. I like this is, dark. There is yeah, no, I think I think that's a dark, lovely dark theory. Anyway, we're we're passing the planet uh, Vincent Basement One. Got it right this week. Uh, so let's beam down there and get some vinisms. Welcome to the planet Vincent Basement One. <laughs> oh, still bloody cold down here. Andrea, um, get eating on. <laughs> Although we're warm at Sucky's house later, so it's all right. Uh, have you got any vinisms for us this week? Please, Vin. 
I feel it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that book got his kit off this week, um, which was pleasing to see. Sexist, sexist again. This is okay. pieces. No, of- there were two very beautiful people in bed. To be honest, we, we didn't really get to see very much, so <laughs> I was slightly cheated. Um, although I am pleased to see that some people in this sort of Star Trek universe do actually like remove clothing to get jiggy, um, which was a, a huge disappointment of mine. Um, oh in yeah. One. And there were far too many clothes on in that scene for my liking. Um, was Saru flirting with that Vulcan bird? Because I have to say his patter was a bit shit. Like, realistically, like, let's, like, keep up some diplomatic relations. It, it, it's not a good sell. It's as bad as, like, come back to mine and look at me record collection. Um, so I think it, if Saru was, was trying to get his end away there, I think he really needs to work on his skills. I wonder um, if he has a penis, though. Does he have a... I have to say, I, my head went to logistics too, and I was like, yeah. that's not a thing I want to think about. And it, it must be massive because he's got massive ooze in that. Well, I'll, to be honest, I, I was thinking there were some horse like properties there, but like. He also wore the world's tightest trousers, so I think we can probably make certain assumptions. Although yeah, might, his, his upper body wouldn't fit inside his tight uniform, so I don't know. He might maybe, tuck, maybe it, his he, he might tuck it in somewhere. Is this like a, a route that we need to pursue just to, to clear that up? Yeah. Everyone. But we should play. We should put, play a pin the penis on Saru. No, you know, like, no, we should not. That's a good game. Carry on, Andrea. <laughs> I, I feel like I've, I've started a feature that that we really don't need or want. Sucky's um, <laughs> rubbing his eyes. Love it. I, I think we should we should just keep this like level of like grot to like the basement section. Um, I have some I have some grief uh, about Michael's mother, um, which I'm sure will come up in other segments. But like. That kind of nitpicky like criticism, um, short of saying that she looked fat and her hair was a mess, um, <laughs> basically right out of my mother's big book of put down playbook. Um, and I would like to say that Prime Locker is terrified of Hazel, by the way. Um, he hides whenever she comes around. Um, he's quite grateful for COVID that she can't. Um, <laughs> But what she got wrong is she fucked off really quickly. Like the true like, nagging mother characterization. At no point did she tell Michael about Edna's bunions or Jane's <laughs> And there would be people that she didn't know, but that doesn't stop Michael's mother. Um, so, yeah, she like she went rather than overstaying a welcome or like a phone call that could take five minutes, like lasting 45 minutes. Um, so I felt like the, the nagging mother of the basement was, was semi-represented there. Um, Is she the new Loxana Troy of this show? <laughs> wow, John. <laughs> Is that what statement. she is? She'll just turn up that's, and nag people again. Yeah, that's a big statement, John. It wasn't even like nagging, though. It was just like, <laughs> I'm just going like, to tear you in your arsehole in front of all these people. Um, but no, I, I felt like she <laughs> needed to work on that nagging technique. Um, but yeah, Prime Walker hides in the in the cupboard under the stairs when he, when he hears Hazel's coming round. And to be quite frank, I would fucking join him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I can't get away with that. Um, so those are, those are my... Um, my my little rants, complaints, and um, little section of smut for the week. Awesome. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. What, wait, what the fuck are you lot doing back in there? Like, it's me, Spender. Spender's back. Spender. Fucking, hey, wizard man. Why Morn, are you back? Morn, can you yeah, please why are you, why are you back in Yeah, Morn, if you could, like, if you could make your Spender suffer. If you could make sure Spender suffers some sort of transporter accident, Morn, that'd be nice. <laughs> Maybe he turned inside out in space or something like that. Oh, God, we just made it out in time. That fucking lunatic was back again. Uh, Andrea. He's still on the pod, mate. He's, he's <laughs> sharing it. <laughs> it's valid. 
Andrea, you've you've been silly. Now it's time for some seriousness. Give me your hatred. Do you want the hint of what <laughs> yes. that I have identified? Because I have identified some. Um, I think what I think a lot of people are complaining because it's a slow talky episode, um, and I don't necessarily mind slow and talky um, when it's done well. Like Measure of a Man, right, is a really good like that courtroom style episode. It just felt like a really weird kind of. It felt like it wasn't particularly Vulcan because nobody seemed to be really presenting any actual evidence. Um, and it was just kind of Michael's mother like saying, stop telling them lies, tell the truth. You've got to tell the truth, love, you know what I mean? And it just, I don't know, it just seemed a bit, I don't know how they came to that conclusion based on those conversations. Um, and I know we've joked and I've not really noticed it as much before, but like I did find that whispery dialogue really hard work, particularly in a, in an episode where you need to hear what people are saying. Um, it made it harder work than it should have been. Yeah, Sorry, but like, Andrea, Andrea oh. you're half deaf, like you admit that, don't you? Yeah, I, I am. I am <laughs> half deaf. I know, like I, I, like, I have a genuine question because obviously Bob made a reference to this at the start. I don't really mm. notice the whispery oh, thing. Yeah. Me, no, 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 I'm not. No, no, leave it to die. So no. can I like? So I'm, I, I want to be curious because I wonder if it's a tonal thing or a volume thing. Because I think in some scenes she speaks at a lower register. Like when she's getting intense, she tends to drop her voice as opposed to raising it in pitch. And I'm wondering if actually it's the pitch as opposed to the volume. No, it's just fucking annoying. With big ass. Well, I understand you find it annoying, but you're not explaining scary. why. Well, I'm going to yeah, tell you now. No I'll, tell you now. I'll tell you now. Got fucking one tone acting. She's back to one tone acting. Eyes open, oh. whispering. A fucking oh. mother was whispering. No. There were. They were in a corridor with people walking by all the while. Right? Else so else he ain't going to go around talking at their proper whispering? normal voice so everybody can hear what's going one on. One tone, one tone acting. Bigger eyes. I think that's incorrect. I, I she did lots of things in this uh, episode, and if you don't like some of the delivery that she's whispering, then like, that's because you should turn his, turn it up a bit and stop fucking complaining about it. That's it's my opinion. About people hearing. Yeah, you're you, you, fucking shit. No, no, right, okay, that's so. At the start of the episode, we get a very different burden. We get her lying in bed, having an intimate conversation. Sex. She is smiley. She is speaking in a, like, a, a, as far as I can tell, a volume that is appropriate to that conversation. But her tone there is quite different from when she's in the cor- like in the corridor having that very intense conversation with her mother. Like, I don't understand how we're describing that as one tone. I think it might be just a northern thing where we get upset if somebody doesn't bellow or something all the time. Possibly, <laughs> but like, I think, and she gets like she gets quite distraught at one point in the hearing. Now you can argue that like, isn't for me the interesting thing there is about the the emotional honesty versus honesty to like the truth and the facts um, and to logic, which are two very different things, but seem to be kind of used concurrently in in this argument. But she gets quite kind of hessed up, for lack of a better term, when she's when she's speaking to. Uh, to like, I think what's happened for me is, as as you know, I've really warmed to Burn this season so far. And last week she was edging back in there, and this week for me she just fucking uh, brought the camel's cock, fucking did my head in. Just like I can't bear it. I can't even well, watch that, Star Trek. She's like, horrible. You're not explaining why properly though. Because she's fucking annoying. No, that's not an explanation. What are you finding annoying? Her fucking shit acting, which is no, she not? no, she's not shit acting. You, that's the laziest thing you've ever said. I'm sick of, I'm sick of just the focus on her. 
Right, and I that thought, is a different conversation. Really? And like I have literally written yeah, in the, like, the one minute 45 of the previously on, there is literally one scene that is not about Michael. So like I will openly acknowledge that I went into this episode having watched the previously on and went, well, this one's going to be Michael Heavy. Now, it was. Now, one of the old Burnham, old Burnham's, uh, old discoveries that I'm frustrated <laughs> by is the fact that shock horror, it was Burnham's mom. Um, now, I love... I love the inclusion of the Kulat Malat. I think it's great. I love the evolution of that from like a warrior non Romulan set trace thing um, into into like the, the the legal kind of elements. Like that that works really well for me. But you know, what shock horror, I had to be I had to be her mom. I had to be like a super intense Burnham thing, take seventy two. And once again, she just went against everybody's recommendations. Mm. Steamroller Suru and went now I'm gonna force you into telling me this thing by yeah. making it. Those are those are legitimate things that I find frustrating, but they are frustrating I, about the choices that some of the writers are making. They are not about Sneaker Martin Green, and they're well, not no, about her. Acting. What I will say, what no, I will no. say about Sneaker Martin Green, she was brilliant in that first episode. Her acting was brilliant, and I have really warmed to it. I'm loving the fact, and I'm loving the her within the crew. Do you like an iteration of her character that is more joyous and is more spontaneous? Yeah, out, and just now, because it's not what you want, is not make, does not make it bad acting. It's just oh, that it's not it what you want from her. It's your expectations are at fault here. Not I don't go out. around whispering all the time. Wish you, you fucking won't. did. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It just really riled me up, and I'm really upset because this was, to, for me, going to be an absolute glory, glory point of fucking Star Trek. Um, all the unification thing, all the Romney thing, all the Vulcan thing. Oh, it's all there. It's all there. It's amazing. But then I just I can't get away I can't get away with it. I want it to be a crew. I can't have Burnham just there all the time. Andrea, I was just gonna say I think in terms of character, I think at least they're doing something with that character, so you can see that journey. You can see things happen to it. The character I'm most concerned about at the moment is Book because they basically turned it into like like he's like a little housewife, isn't he? <laughs> And he's like looking out like wistfully into space and he's just like in the house looking after the cat. And I feel like that's a bit of a waste of a character. And I think if they were doing that with a female character, I think people would like probably pick up on that a lot quicker. But he does, he, he's just been like turned into like, like an house husband, like well, he's a Keiko, isn't he? Let's face it. Like that is the role he is currently fulfilling. But what is interesting is that there was one point in this episode. Keiko and O'Brien hate honestly. But yeah, like there was one point where there was a very serious point where he looked at the cat very significantly, and I was and like, it, "Well." And it, it fucking was... purred out of nowhere. What a fucking stupid <laughs> fucking thing! Maybe it's Book that's making the purring noises. Maybe he's practicing his ventriloquism. That's maybe why he was looking at the cat so specifically. Uh, but yeah, no, once again, they were kind of obviously foreshadowing something that is coming in, in the front. Uh, but I don't disagree that him sitting in the in his ship in the shuttle bay where are the shuttles um oh no they all left because they were all commit uh, it was a whole war thing anyway um yes anyway I, I was just gonna say i probably shouldn't mention this at an earlier sort of juncture where it was more appropriate but i really hope they shut that cat out because like having had a cat and try to like have a nice time but you can't have a nice time with a cat in the room it will come and harass you um, and it will you put you off so I really hope they had somewhere else for Grudge to be what well, do you mean by a nice time fucking what do you mean by a nice time you've never had a cat have you <laughs> Well, no, when you fucking, and then you got fucking a cat comes and claws you, pisses you off, doesn't it? Oh, no, yeah, sorry, you, you were explaining it. I thought you were just doing your normal swearing when you were an argument. <laughs> sorry, I was confused. 
Oh dear. <laughs> but yes, so Space Cat slash Queen is clearly a thing that we're going to come back to, which we've suspected. Did yeah. we like seeing Spock? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Any, anybody's got a problem with that? Yeah. Talk to me. No, no. I just wondered if anybody did. Andrea. I think for me, I think it, it was quite nice in terms of my sort of accidental trekkie like development program that I saw Unification Three and one like instantly went ooh Romulans, um, which I was quite pleased with. It was like well I like know things now, um, and it was nice to see old school Spock. Um, and if that pisses off certain sections of fandom, like as a, a sort of aside, then what a shame, eh? Well, um, yeah. But I quite, I quite like that world-building element of the episode. That is something I liked. I like the way it picked up on that Picard storyline. Um, we kind of know what happens to those displaced Romulans now, which I think tells us that season two of Picard is going off in a different direction because yeah. there's not really much drama left in that story now. Um, I like... I like the fact that when they said absolute candor, I was like, oh, card reference, I get that. Um, so I was quite pleased with my little checklist of, of things that like I've, I've learned and remembered. And I think they balanced those Easter eggs for people who want that with making it make sense if you didn't. Like, I don't think you needed to have seen yeah. Unification 1 and 2 and remembered it. I don't think you needed to have seen Picard. But for the people who have, I thought they kind of... Massively. And, 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 and also... I'd also read that Una McCormick book um, with the Picard book, uh, which I've just recently read, and that's put so much meat on the bones to this whole thing, which is why I was probably my expectations were too high, and there was loads of brilliant stuff in. I would normally love seeing Spock, but I don't, I just don't, I don't believe in the Burnham Spock brothers, uh, whatever sister thing. It just has never. It's, it's never. I, I've never believed it. You know, I can. You know, some of the relationships on there you don't believe. Uh, Andrea Lindsay, go for it. Whichever. Go for it. I was just going to say, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Because like nobody's mentioning Cyborg still. Is Star Trek Five being put in the uh, put in the cupboard forevermore to to never be spoken of again? Because I, I feel like, or are they just leaving that thread for another time? Um, because there are people like. Again, if they're including those kind of Easter eggs and that type of thing, there are enough people sitting watching that thinking, there's another one. Have we just totally disowned that one? Is that one dead? Is that one like just not being mentioned? In the, we're obviously in the same universe. So I'm, I'm quite interested to see if they ever pick that thread up. You're going to have to be a pretty brave soul. You've got to be a brave soul. For me, the, the, the question is, like, I don't understand why they think the Vulcans are going to care all that much or whether they would because legitimately she doesn't share any genetic material she isn't Vulcan she yeah, like she, she spent a few years living in the same house as him yeah that's like, my thing with it like it, it, it like how, I, it, how much of the man that Spock became was the result of his sister was to which I've required yeah. probs not very much to be honest <laughs> about, like, there's nothing like rewriting history but people do that and I think we need to be like aware of this kind of like say but, you know it's like saying if they'd gone here is somebody who grew up with Spock it would be a much more telling story than saying that, that she's his sister I know just, just, like, I, I think just, they could have just like they must have said Spock's sister about 72 yeah, times I, I don't they, need, they needed a link they needed a way to get to Navarre and, and Vance just leapt on that it was the it was the one tenuous thing, and because Spock was pretty much a, a legend on uh, uh, Vulcan, I'm going to say 
then you now you could justify that being the kit the thing you've just got to believe in the sister sister brother relationship yeah true andrea um, I was just going to say, it, it, they needed some, I, I feel like they wanted a link to dis, to kind of tie Discovery to, to what had gone before, and that's the link they chose. Um, and it must have had some kind of impact, because if we're, um, if we're assuming that the other uh, member of the family like doesn't exist in this universe, then I, I think it is a difference being the only child in the house. To, to She's not letting go of this cyborg thing, is she? <laughs> well, it's just if you're going to create another sibling, yeah, the Spock, you it's already been done before, cyborg, and then you're going to forget about the one that's been done before to kind of replace it with, with another. I, I don't really understand, like, if you're going to sit someone in that family and yeah. go to that level. Why would you not kind of? Maybe, maybe all of Star Trek Five was like uh, a dream that like uh, Kirk had when he comes in the shower, and he got out of the shower and remembered he was like, oh no, that didn't happen. What like, Bob, <laughs> like Bob, that would like, explain like, so like, much. Like Dallas or a Dynasty yeah. or one of them. Okay, the yeah, uh, the uh, the Cyborg thing. Now nobody seemed to know who Cyborg was until he suddenly appeared at the beginning of the film and Spock was that's my hob, that's my brother. So maybe for the first few few. 50 years or whatever he lived, right? There's hardly any record of him. Sarek uh, sort of disowned him. Uh, Michael just probably just knew very as an older stepbrother from years before who hadn't lived in the house at all. So he's gone. I mean, I don't know why I'm going down this rubbish now. And then after the, after the film is finished, right? He's not mentioned again because I can't even remember what happened at the end of the film there. Uh, was he, he killed off? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so he's got killed. killed So the only people that really knew who Cyborg was probably was the Enterprise crew, right? And that was it. Yeah. Uh, And nobody else. So they probably just brushed it under the carpet. Carpet. Spock's probably had a word with whoever records everything because they'll record the fact that I've got a brother and just let it go. And that's that's the idea of somebody who sits at a desk recording everything and you just need to tap them on the shoulder and be like, "Can you just not record this?" But well, it's the same as what's happened with Discovery Crew. Yeah, they they just took Discovery out of existence when they went into the wormhole. So I was thinking about this because, like, legitimately, like there must must have been some kind of so obviously like her existence was acknowledged because there was a record of the fact that she was Spock's uh, sibling um so they must have like faked discovery's destruction or something but there was no discussion of oh we thought you had died three thousand years ago yeah no but yeah they did fake it andrea um i've got completely distracted now from what i was going to (laughs) say that's all right no, I've gone completely blank. I had, I had, a, really, I had a really salient point there, and it's gone... I've remembered. Why did they have that video of Spock? Like, what creepy bastards are going around, like, just filming people when they're talking? Like, where did... I, that... I Internal sensors, man. Internal, Internal sensors. Like, yeah. that, that's, like, alarming to me. That is, like, invasion of privacy. Like, and the fact that that's still kicking around a thousand years later, you think, like, what else is floating around? Like, is there video footage of, like, Kirk and Picard having a dump somewhere? Yeah, but the thing is, look how much video footage there is now of everybody filming themselves out on the streets, out it's, in the uh, house, and whatever. It's, 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 it's going to survive for years and years, isn't it? It's a militaristic ship. It's going to have monitors as well. And also, it could have been that this was compiled from, like, um, Picard's logs. He might have decided to, like, digitise that scene 
using his memory. I don't know. They've got technology, haven't they? Fucking hell. Could it could I be anything? I did see someone try and justify that using the example of the last episode of Enterprise and how um, Riker managed to just like relive the entirety of like the last oh, mission of Enterprise in XO One, and I was like, that is the worst example of anything I've ever it seen. It happens all the way through Star Trek, though. There's quite a few TNG episodes where we get like replayed footage. I just want to say I do like the fact that they used Leonard Nimoy as Spock and they didn't bring back uh, what's his name Adam Peck and just put him in old uh, man makeup and just used him and just shot some footage with him I just like the fact that they acknowledged Leonard Nimoy Spock in within this uh, I just didn't feel the need to be like oh he's changed so much but I still recognise him like they just like did it and you know I thought that was lovely like I think it was there was also a really other um, lovely kind of uh, sort of nod in this episode. Um, there's a reference, and this may have been in a previous episode that I'd forgotten about, but um, they referenced the USS Yelchin. Yeah, yeah. No, this, time, this is the first time. Um, which I think is a lovely touch, because obviously there have now been a couple of ships that they have uh, named after actors or uh, sort of um, characters who have passed on. I think it's nice. It's a, it's a good thing to be doing. It's okay. Uh, you you said about USS Yelchin. So the other thing that could have gone, and now they've just referenced uh, Jan, uh, Anton Yelchin from the Kelvin Universe films, they could have also could have just brought Zachary Quintel back and just get him to film uh, as Spock as well. But it, but I'll just happy to leave. Go on, John. No, this this uh, this basically debunked. It's the Kelvin timeline is a dead timeline according to Discovery. This 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 episode primarily covers the fact that Romulus wasn't destroyed, uh, mm. that Vulcan wasn't destroyed. So any Zachary Quinto appearance would be stupid. And another thing that I would, sorry, to dismiss it so summarily. Um, there's <laughs> also- It doesn't make it invalid, it's just an alternative timeline. I don't know, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it isn't, I'm just saying that that's why. Um, uh, a ship named after somebody again, I, think, I don't know if it was last episode or this episode, we got USS Liguid. Which is obviously uh, for Ursula Le Guin, the sci-fi author, who was um, obviously, obviously, yes. yeah. Well, it is for me. Yeah, I recognise right. the name. Right, but those are the things we like. We like things that people get that are just little passing mentions. Andrea, um, I just I've got a little run to ruin, and I feel like I need to like get it out of my system. Um, and that is this whole Tilly first officer thing. I thought um, we were saving that for the next section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell you what, that's a good idea. Let's 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 put a uh, put a pin in it for a second, and we'll come on to Tilly um, after we've gone down to John's workshop. Uh, so what we try and do is uh, we all have some certain skills as hosts, and we try to just give you little tips into them. Uh, so let's beam down to John's workshop uh, shop for some of John's wood tips. John's workshop and I've asked him to give me wood tips. Mm. Oh, John, it's came great, isn't it? You've tagged up a lot since last time I was here. Uh, and also organise your tales and put little uh, drawings around them, like weird old men doing sheds. Um, so I, I want to get into making wood. Making wood things out of wood thing. 
can you talk me through what I would need just to set up a simple carving, maybe, or saw a plank? Yeah. Well, you asked me to prepare a wood tip, and you want now, now to do a completely new tip based upon what you want me to say? Or do you want the tip I prepared? No, Which I would one like... Do you want? I just feel free, man. You know, it's all about all right, the wood, then. isn't it? Natural. Yeah. Preparation is always key. So, what do you want to know, Bob? I'll talk you through that. Just about wood. You know, your wood. Yeah, your wood skills. Be specific. Well, I don't fucking know about wood, do I? Because it's your well, section. YouTube. Don't look at somebody who maybe wouldn't learn from it. Maybe try a simple channel that like has maybe. What, what channel would you recommend, John? Oh, I think definitely it would be. Um... Oh, I don't know the name of it, but it's that cool guy. I don't know. Fuck it. It'll be all right. That so, cool wood, guy. Woodworking. Why, Mr. Wright? Simply woodwork. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Woodworking tip. All right, then you're going to get a woodworking tip whether you like it or not. Now, whether you, when your glue gets old, mm. it can get too thick to use. Right? Mm. Okay. Try adding some vinegar, and this will get the glue flowing again. Oh, my fuck. But that can apply to anything, can't it? Because glue can go on loads of no. different stuff. Well, not just glue. Well, what you say is, though? I don't know. Doing a log, He's not giving his litres a pound, does he? Um, that's great, that John. So a bit of vinegar in, a bit of glue, and it also for glue sniffers and all that kind of thing as well, isn't it? So we're, we're tipping everyone really. <laughs> it makes your glue go further. <laughs> yeah. If you if you use woodwork, it wood glue to do glue sniffing. You're not doing glue sniffing right. No, but I'm just saying like no, but I'm not. There's other glues, isn't there? That you can sniff. Does it work on bostic? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It works on wood glue. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much, John. Also, yeah, don't forget, go, go, go on YouTube and check out John's uh, wood videos, which are fucking brilliant. It's uh, simply woodworking. That's it, isn't it? Lovely. Yeah. Right, Mon, Peter's back up. The lovely Tilly. Lovely Tilly. Bless her. No, this is being controversial, being her baby being number one. And Andrea, you having a piece to say about this before we went to John's wood workshop? Do I feel like this? I feel like me, me piss has been gently boiling since I watched that. It is to me, in a sort of my equivalent professional field, which isn't Starfleet, it is like a newly qualified teacher being made deputy head after two terms, and we all know how that would end. Um, it's just, I mean, it's been signposted, hasn't it, when Saru took her off on that little little jaunt on the planet and things like that. So it, it didn't come as a massive shock to me. And I think as soon as Burnham was demoted, I was thinking, nah, they're not going to do that, are they? Um, and they did. Um, and it's not that I don't like Tilly, but that is some shit recruitment. Like, seriously, having sat on interview panels and that type of thing, that is like, yeah, just throw someone in, it'll be fucking fine. <laughs> um, I oh, just... God. I just can't even, like, it's just a bizarre decision. And unless that is there in a narrative sort of role to to have a purpose to it, I, I just think it's a really, really odd choice. What's your uh, opinion on the uh, Tilly thing? My opinion is, I, don't, I understand what Andrew is saying. I just don't understand why they've gone for an ensign to become first in command. I just don't understand that at all. I understand her, her character. She is quite trusting of Saru, and Saru does trust her a lot. Right? And he can go to her and she will give an honest opinion, which is what she did when she told him about Burnham. Do not, you know, she's gone behind your back. She's done this. You need to uh, be able to put your foot down and sort it out. I know she's my mate. 
but this is what you need to do. So she's giving him an honest opinion, and he's probably thought to himself, I'll get an honest opinion. Personally, I would have loved to have seen Stamets as first command because he would have been out of his depth. Right, and that would have brought a lot of story to uh, the, the interactions between the crew. But then would it, we can see uh, what Lindsay thinks. Is that if you take your volume off, your mute button off? You got your mute on, Lindsay. I have got my mute on, apparently. Um, no, so I like I agree, um, and I said last week that I think it would be a disservice to her character and her character arc to make her first officer, and that's exactly what they've done in the second of the extreme O oh, discovery moments that I got. Yeah, I, I'm incredibly frustrated that they've made this choice. I hope it is something that they kind of go, oh, she tries it, Saru realises that actually that wasn't his best command decision in the world and they have to like fix it shortly thereafter. Um, but there were, despite my frustration at the decisions, there were some good bits of dialogue and some conversations um, that happened because of it. Like I quite like, Saru tries to give like this big speech and she's going, right, well, are you just having me there because I'm a yes girl? Like she does push back against that. Um, and as much as it was like I quite like the fact that she goes to Stamets and Stamets is like deeply awkward and not particularly reassuring to begin with and I did quite like the just say yes scene at the end so despite the fact that I am deeply frustrated with this choice there were still some kind of lovely scenes kind of around it John um I I initially was like well what the fuck are they doing very much very much Andrea's position on this one but now that I think about it she was on the command uh, fast track thing and it's not as if this hadn't happened in Star Trek before because we had Wesley doing his shit while he was not even a cadet um, so that thing could happen the situation is unique she's the only one of the bridge crew people that hasn't got a role on the bridge so it wouldn't be taking a number one away for it wouldn't be taking one of the leads in science navigation or whatever it's um, uh, she did sp- the first thing she said was am I am I here to, just because I'll be compliant mm-hmm. and, a, and a number one's role has to include the the bravery I suppose or the willingness to question the captain mm-hmm. and she had no qualms in questioning him and being honest about it it is an interim position mm-hmm. so this is clearly just a placeholder for Burnham when, when Burnham gets it back and because it's an interim position, you don't need to uh, promote somebody in it, and it's temporary, and be, and it's good development for her. She's clearly been demonstrating that she can is a sort of unifying force within the within the crew. So I think there are justifying reasons why Sarah's picked this. It might prove to be a good idea, or it also, might not. We've also got to remember that they've got this tiny crew. Like unless they're being bumped up by. 32nd century Starfleet mm-hmm. officers like they came with like 80 people or whatever so therefore yeah. there is a validity to the whole well mm-hmm. actually we can't really afford to give up that many people from that many other places well, um, while I, I do think Stamets and Saru would be an hysterical combination and if Stamets you, trying you... to deal with everybody being like I want better quarters <laughs> and I need more replicator rations because my uniform got trashed this week or whatever that would be quite funny I don't like yeah it wouldn't I think be a great working relationship Okay. Now I'm just going to say that that scene where they had the whole crew come together and they say you'd say yes, say yes. Okay, it was nicely filmed and it was all supported with Tilly and all this stuff. But I wouldn't have. I personally preferred that if that scene wouldn't have been there, right? And then we could have seen Tilly just taken, trying to take the reins, 
and with the other crew just being supportive in their own little ways and rather than having all to come together and go yeah we'll we'll follow you we'll do this do that i, w- I would have liked to see tilly in future episodes where they just it's basically shall not tell and this is what w- would have happened in future episodes yeah. but now they've got to put this scene in and now they just there's no there's not going to be any scenes probably where she has to confront a crew member because they're all going to be like supportive they're all going to turn around and say yeah go on andrea I was just going to say, I found that scene kind of, it's a bit cringy. It felt Orkish, really like... Hawkish, that's it, that's the word. Yeah, I was like, ooh, I'm okay. Like, yeah, if they wanted to show people being supportive or encouraging, but that all, like, they've all kind of lined up going, say yes, say yes. It felt like, it felt very American, um, which isn't meant to be yeah. discouraged against them, but I, th- I think just culturally... Um, and certainly any workplace I've ever been in, that would have like been like people like walking out going, what the fuck was that? Like, oh, them kiss asses. Like, it, it just culturally d- wouldn't work for me. So I, I don't know if it maybe works in other types of workplaces or, or in other countries, but I, I think certainly in a in a northern school, it would have <laughs> some uh, some very interesting remarks in the staff room after. Um, oh, well, it was, it, it definitely was that like, I mean, I can just imagine uh, someone just going, fuck off your brown says John. Uh, I think that uh, they are a bunch of overachievers on this ship, clearly. And they're all like team players and doing all that bullshit. That, well, and they buy into all of it. They're the successful people in life that buy into that and make it work for them. Whereas the normal people, like me, would just say, what a bunch of brown-nosed assholes. And it's like, that's the most cringy shit they do. It's not like they've not done it before. I was about to say, I think that's my issue, isn't like it feels very much kind of like it's, it's, what, it's more, what their culture do. what their culture does, yeah. I think. Support. I certainly this particular group of people, like they seem to have like been forged and fire into a kind of a, a unit that is perhaps more intense than we, we see in other things. Um Yeah. And I suppose like the fact that it was tempered with the oh by the way, here's a list of all the things we're gonna bug you about. Like that that I think helped. Um it's it's not great. Like I'm trying to find the good in this because I could really be quite angry about it and I'm trying not to be because I don't want it to spoil the rest of the season. I mean, and that, that, sorry, I'm going to say my two pennies on the Tilly thing and this whole, you know, say yes thing and all that. Um, when we touched it last week, the last person I really would, as we discussed and as you guys are saying, was Tilly. But it makes sense if you think back through Tilly's journey. I know she, she's ginger and pretends to be daft. Now, they're the people you need to be careful of because they are not daft. And when she comes to the floor, when she needs to be there, she's fucking amazing, is Tilly. Um, yeah, but she's also she's also capable and a very intelligent engineer, Bob. So what? I don't know. You were trying to you were trying to make a comparison between you and Tilly. I don't think so. <laughs> I was not. I was trying to make. I was not. I was just saying. That All was right. my portrayal of the character, John. I know. I'm right. All right, you fucking space bear. Um, <laughs> you big beautiful space bear. But no, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of it, and I really like the um, Siri and Tilly dynamic in this series as well. Um, and I think I don't know what you said about Stamets. It'd be funny, but I just think I couldn't think of anyone else better for me personally than Tilly uh, because she's a learner. But then she could come to it for that's all I sort of think about it. That little scene where Burnham turns up just after the say yes part. And she tells us she's not leaving. I got, I, I, my head canon for that scene is that Tilly was so annoyed that she wasn't leaving that she burst out into tears and anguish. That was what she was actually crying for. Mm. So, so I suppose this is the question because, like, I, I, I kind of 
floated the idea that maybe they were trying to kind of um, create a, an out for Sneaker Martin Green or that, that Burnham's character was perhaps actually going to move on because they were they seemed to be like digging this hole that they were going to struggle to get back out of like I still think that's true like they dug a massive hole and then they turned it around in like 20 seconds sort of I think unless we get a really clear demonstration that Burnham has got past this and is going to stop doing the nonsense that she was doing like we we can't we can't consistently have this character who is on the verge of mutiny like this like it, it, it that doesn't feel like and it's, it's, get, and it's getting worse time. it's getting worse andrea is it not I, I feel a little bit like they're setting up the federation as the big bad of the season i, I think they've kind of dropped in little hints about the the kind of alliances that are kicking around in this sort of post-burn world but to me they haven't had enough time or attention for anyone to have invested for them to be the kind of the big menace of the series so i think they're setting it up to be the federation and my worry is it'll turn around see like see how burnham was right because like she didn't really quite feel like she fitted into the federation anymore she knew they were dodgy um and and i'm a little bit worried that they're going to go down that route because it sounds a bit boring to be honest um, we shall uh, see. We're halfway through. Like we did. We did speak last week about the Federation being at the root of what happened to cause the burn, and like I still like we kind of vaguely it. got that idea this week that it was. Well, we'll find out about we'll on. find out about all that, ladies. John, you had your little end up there. All oh, right. Uh, I don't know. It was about ball. something something about ten minutes ago. I can't remember what. <laughs> it's okay. No, I, I I think I agree with what Andrew's saying about the Federation being the bad guy. And I think if they do become the bad guy, you can also see them going back to the chap that was in the first episode that was keeping the ideals of the Federation alive. And they'll go back to uh, Burnham and, well, the Discovery crew, uh, whoever follows them um, with the, the, the ideals of the Federation from a thousand years ago, will follow them to that chap there and they'll, start, uh, they'll set up a new... Uh, Federation of Planets there, you think? You never know. You never know. We don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, it's time for a little break and a little segment. Uh, this is... Uh, I can't remember what it's called. That's ridiculous. Uh, fact Trek Yourself. Fact Trek Yourself. So, this is a fact track yourself. Uh, it's my turn this week. I'm going to say three statements, um, and you guys have to pick which one is false. So, the first one is, I have played football with Kevin Webster off of Coronation Street. Um, <laughs> I watched my, mate, my mate's dog uh, fuck a beanbag and come on it. <laughs> my mate came back into him and led on it. I didn't tell him. Um, I once wound up Sarah Lancashire when I was working as an extra on one of them terrible ITV dramas by pretending the extras, because you have different dinners, you've got like, the stars and the extras, the extra scones had been prepared, the jam and cream and the star scones were just as they came and she went mental. Uh, so there you go, they're my three statements. Discuss, ask, whatever. Yeah, the last one's a lie, surely. Yeah, last one. Uh, Straight away, there's no discussion. Yeah. I can um, see you playing football with somebody famous. Yeah, I can see you've done that. Well, he did that, didn't he? Because was that not like after his visit to whatever show it was down in London when Soccer there was like AM. some people? Yeah, or whatever it was. The dog definitely shagged the beanbag. That's yeah, I've, I've seen the dog shagged beanbag. It was one of the weirdest things. I was just sat there watching it going, you know, and then it just jizzed everywhere. Fucking loads of jizz and that. Then my mate came and slid on it. I was fucking, you know, when you try not to piss yourself laughing. That's I feel like there's a recurrent theme this week that 
changes well, in the volume thereof is something that Bob is unreasonably interested in. Bunk in it. It's different, isn't it? Uh, okay. Shit. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, exactly. I well, feel like Bob's sentiment means that belong to me here. I feel like we need to like redraw the lines. <laughs> do we? Do we indeed, Andrea? So what? No spaff or shit? From well, now on, is it all? Shit's all yours, Bob. But like, spaff. yeah, I feel like she like, fits into my sort of persona there. <laughs> Sorry, sorry to take this spunk thing off you, Andrea. Um, okay, are you going to go with that same Lancashire thing then? Yeah. 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 That's true. That actually happened. Um, I was an extra. It was brilliant, brilliant job. Um, and I was, I was a waiter. Um, at this thing that she was doing, and I genuinely, so everyone just got like scones at three o'clock or whatever. And Sarah Langston was going, I can't believe they've not done them. I can't believe they've not chopped them up. Uh, so I chopped it up and made a right fucking awesome scone. And I went, what do you mean? Actresses have got nice scones. She went mental. Ralph went mental. Uh, so what, 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 what was this in an episode of? I can't remember what it was. It was called Beating Jesus at the time. But it came out as, I think it got named somewhere else. I only watched it once. It was a long time ago. Um, the false one was, I, I have never played football with Kevin Webster off Coronation Street because he went to the Man United game. Uh, a few of the, the stars that were there went to Man United game and a lot of them stayed but he did not so that is my falseness so again I win the whatever the fuck it is anyway let's get back into this black alert black alert it's time for quick fire uh, I'll come to you first Andrea I think I've exhausted my um, fairly extensive list of moans and complaints this week um Yep, I think I have. I think I have ticked all boxes. Excellent, that's good. Uh, Lindsay, can you empty your tank? <laughs> You're so funny. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, like, I keep going back to the fact, like, I'm not. I just don't get why Burnham is so obsessed about the burn. Like, it just it feels like a really odd thing to have become obsessed about. It's maybe displacement, but it is what it is. Um, I don't understand why Burnham also hasn't looked up like what's going on like with Vulcan. You'd have thought that. If she's got access to to some sort of database now, which presumably does, they've like uh, caught up with the actual federation. Um, so the fact that she didn't know Navarre had been renamed seemed slightly strange. Um, and I also like it frustrates me that they're like they're, there's the whole big thing about oh it's too dangerous to change the share of the data, but there's no there's no indication as to why it's dangerous. And I wonder if that's what comes back to that um, theory about the mirror universe. Because I can, I can see the Vulcans being like, next day with the, we are not going anywhere near that thing. Um, the Vulcans and the Romulans, I should say. So I think that, like that's quite interesting. Um, but going on about her complex relationship with the future, like I'm not quite sure why that was ever going to help having a conversation with people who didn't accept that time travel existed until relatively recently. Um, or at least in our time. Uh, why have they tested the spore drive? It seems really insane. That, like they've made all these modifications to the ship. They've made all these modifications to like the spore drive interface, and clearly that is the first time that Stamets has like sunk his hands into the goo and gone and done the thing. Seems slightly odd. I would have thought they would have gone for a test drive. Um, I, I do love the Quillat Malat uh, involvement and that kind yeah. of callback and and that like I say that transformation from the warrior nuns into like the legal thing that feels like something that has like historic history and precedence which is nice. Yeah. Um, this is like the second time they've seen each other in thirty years. It, like like their relationship just seems a little odd. But I do enjoy how much Burnham's mom just calls her out on her like nonsense on a fairly like spectacular basis and she's like nope. Nope. 
like nope here it is here is you doing the things that you're doing like why are like you know you have consistently broken the rules and you've consistently done it they do then turn it around really quickly um the level of short-sightedness going into that meeting about the fact that well they're only interested in logic so you know like she has lived on Vulcan she understands that there is like complexity there is not simply like that one true logic that overrules everything um much left uh, in your tank you've been waiting to get that out haven't you I'm ignoring it um just one or two bits when 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 um, Burnham's mum whose name I can't remember Gabrielle, I think, um, says uh, they're not the only audience. Like, that doesn't feel like true candor. That feels like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, the consequence, like, there, there's just no consequences for Burnham. Like, there just aren't consequences, and that frustrates me. Um, I'm just going to sing to you while I like read all my things. I've noticed that I have And I'm just going to use this opportunity to go, is your tank empty yet, Lindsay? Oh, that's so kind of you to ask. <laughs> Almost, um, like the, so. The duty and uh, joy speech that her mum, that Gabrielle makes, doesn't really make sense to me in the context that it's given. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that, that what Burnham is, is is talking about is that oh, I don't know if I, I'm not happy here. Like my happiness might lie somewhere else. It felt more kind of philosophical than that. It um, felt it felt like awkward dialogue, is what it felt like, Lindsay, to me anyway. I, I kind of get what they were going for, but they didn't quite get there. I kind of love the live long and prosper moment between Captain Saru and Tirana, and I hope that we get to come back to that either in this season or, or like in the future. We get a bit more kind of. Yeah. Uh, I always think Saru's cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I do. I mean, I'm intrigued. Well, I'm glad that you're interested about that. I am not. Have you, have you, fin- have you finished us off yet, Lindsay? Um, the only other thing is that, like, I, I do, I do think that while they're not doing Book's character a great service at the moment and he does seem to be just be like sitting at home twiddling his thumbs waiting for her to come back despite the fact that he has got skills and missions and stuff like I do like them as a couple and I'm quite interested to see what they do with that going forward cool hey, empty yes thank you finished us off yeah excellent John uh, yeah the Karen Ketz uh, so Burnham is saying essentially yes I heard that it could cause political and cultural upheaval but fuck you all I have a loophole and care, care nothing for what you want. And it, and even more than that, I will not let Saru know before I say it either. It's pure Burnham being a cunt. It's like, like Burnham it. at her worst. It's not her finest hour. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it was pointed out by her mother that Burnham is, is human through and through and governed by emotion, which is what we've been seeing more and more as Disco goes on. But it'd be nice that it, we get Burnham gets to work it out for herself using this candor method of um, sort of trying to what is it, what is it called when you an intervention? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so she's unsure herself, and she, this gives her an opportunity uh, to kind of like realise that actually, yeah, is the federation and the ideals that we're, I'm espousing all the time. I'm not as transient as I was worried about and I don't really want to fuck off and do my own thing because I really do uh, believe in the Federation and that stuff. I thought that was nice. But the, like, there but, is, like, can, can I just push back on that? Because like, like, we do no, get that No, because it's my, my comments. Yeah, I uh, know, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> so like, they go through that whole big thing 
thing about no I am here for the Federation and then she's still all about like I am going to take the information and I will do with it what I can and I will keep searching for an answer and I will send you this stuff back like she isn't behaving as though she is like part of a scientific investigating team of anything Vulcans look after themselves and use logic to justify it so that's another one of my notes sorry I'm just ignoring you uh, Lindsay and I suspect that she withdrew that appeal knowing that that would prove to uh, them that yes she can learn and uh, she's got uh, a true um, justification not a justification her path is true she means what she says she is doing it for the great good in this situation um, uh, why is Burnham still bunking with Tilly that's yes, fucking weird um, it's a very cheap episode. There are no fancy effects. There's a, a couple of simple set pieces. Um, so I'm thinking that this is uh, what you're going to get prior to a more exciting episode, or at least one of the next in the next couple of episodes. We're going to get some money thrown at it, which would be nice. Or they just realised um, they spent all the money in the first like six episodes of the season. Navar sounds a little bit like Navar Burton. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Uh, and. Uh, Navar itself, the word itself, comes from a Star Trek fanzine episode in the 70s and means two form, which is an art form where a subject was examined from two different viewpoints. Sort of like a duality thing, so that's a Kevin Lynch, that's a David Lynch reference, so there we go. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, Wesley, Crusher, Wesley Crusher did a thing. Uh, captain Kirk in, well, Kirk in Star Trek 2009 went from cadet to captain in about 18 minutes <laughs> so fucking it's not a, it's not a big issue uh, that's me spent well I'm gonna just give me fi- my final couple of things uh, uh, for me for me personally I think I built this up to be too too big and I think you've just hit the nail there the head there John that this is a cheap episode or whatever um, I think we're coming up to a two part or not next time week after a uh, big two part that's probably going to kick off but I just I think it's that that's a big reason for me for my disappointment but again it was just like the frustration of Burnham um, I, I said about the whispering and all that but it's just I want it to be a crew because now the more we get to know the crew the more I want to see them and the more I want, the more I want them to interact so here, so here it is. Like, I, like I, I absolutely understand your frustration on that point, and I have said repeatedly that I think, like, by creating a central character who isn't in a position of command, they have created a rod for their own back by doing this. But that's the, that's the challenge. So, it's, is it a question of you really hate Burnham, or is it no. just that you no, want no, 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 more no, no, no. of the group? Yeah, but that how you're how you're voicing yourself is to go yeah. to, to, to state yeah. how much you hate Burnham, and actually, what you're saying is you just want it to be less about Burnham and with oh, that I wholeheartedly I, I, I have absolutely loved her this season I've never really disliked it she's annoying but every week in the season one and two you knew it was going to be about Burnham you know what I mean yeah and now, now, and, now, and as soon as you get this this lovely feel of the crew you know you get to know the crew and then it's taken away from you again um, yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. Well, well, but it is, but it is about Burnham uh, quite upfront about saying this show is centered on Burnham. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know, uh, but I, I will never, I, I'll never watch uh, this one again, and I'm quite sad about that because everything in it, a Star Trek fan should love. And I think just because something doesn't go down the route that you want, not exactly, it's, it's not, my, it's my fault. Yeah, I know. If something doesn't go down <laughs> the route that you fault. want, I'm saying that that doesn't imply bad acting involved. It doesn't imply 
and you can maybe see that the stuff like the whispering that might annoy you is just a symptom of a greater issue that you've got and it doesn't really impact the episode at all well it did for me he says in full response to Bob's actions (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah, I find this... Bob's voice really grating. It's just, it's just really awful. Like, I don't, it's just super. No, it is. It fucking, it's awful. Awful. Even my singing voice is awful. I can't believe we've made money off it for all these years. Right. Anyway, I want to get warm and comfy and cozy and uh, have a little cry over you lot abusing me, you bastards. So let's beam down to Sucky's house and get his final comments. Hello there, it's Sucky here from Wolverhampton. Yeah, do the podcast and that, don't I? I'm getting on a bit of age, so I'm going to have a sit down by me open fire. I tell you what, there's now that warms the bones right through. Place of open fire. So I invite you all now to beam down with me to my open fire. Get your bones warmed right through. I'll tell you some tales and you can... You can sucky on this. Sucky, put the fucking microchips on and che- melt some cheese on them as well. I really want some fucking microchips. A little kind of lager. Okay, I'm gonna, just going to tell you, my microwave actually broke only two oh, days ago. And it's sake. a sore point in the house. Is right. it? So well, it you bring that up. Microchips. Yeah. yeah, you bringing that up, uh, it's just brought up so many issues. Yeah, well, can, can, you not, can you not get a new microwave off from your dodgy mates down the alleys? <laughs> uh, the dodgy mates down the alleys don't go around providing uh, microwaves. Microwaves, they're not. No, they, oh, only, right. they, they only provide dodgy episodes of Lower Decks. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's okay, now we're in your house. Thank you for getting warm. It's cut, toasty and cosy. Let's get your final thoughts, my friend. There isn't much final thoughts that nobody else has already said because all the the bits most of you said, it's already been covered. The only thing I want to say is... I do like the fact that the the journey that Michael's been on in this episode, at least, maybe even since the beginning of the season, right, is where she's she doesn't know how she's going to fit in with the crew because uh, she's been away for a year. She's been doing her own thing, and she's just she's got a bit obsessed with finding the Federation and then finding out what happened with the burn. The crew came back, and then she's got to try and fit in with all these guys and. Uh, back to rules and regulations and she just she's just thought to herself you know I don't want to do that and now with this this telekinet or whatever it was telekinet uh, quorum that they just had and it's just brought back a lot of issues and she's realised what she actually wants and this is uh, her now fully into the federation uh, ideals uh, discovery ideals back with the crew and then she will just hopefully they'll just go forward from here and just bring bring it home towards the end of the season but this is what I'm hoping cool is that your yeah I wanted to make so I can get you out alright fair enough he's got to tie, he's got to get rid of the spaff in his beard that's what he's going to do <laughs> yeah I'll yeah. put now spaff in my beard John thank you alright Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry I mentioned it. White speckles are in yours. Yeah, just oh turf. Uh, anyway, Mon, Beeman's back up. How many lights you see? Four lights! I asked how many lights you see. Lights out of five. Let's put some fucking marks on this. John, I'll come to you first. Good, my good Well, for what, it, for what it was, um, 
uh, and the type of episode it was that is a type that I like. I'm going to go with a four, like out of wow. five. Strong jump. Uh, Lindsay? I have to be to combat you guys. Um, <laughs> I am... I'm going to go with three and a half. Um, yeah, there are, there are one or two things that really frustrate me about it. But, like, there are some good some good characters, some good moments, and some good kind of plot development. Cool. Uh, Andrea? Um, at the moment, I think it's a two out of five. I suspect that as things unfold and you kind of revisit it, I have a feeling that this will have some some significant impact on the way the series turns out. So I, I think it's a bit dependent on that. But at the moment, I, I'm a two lights out of five. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, I'm going to give the same as Lindsay. I, as it says, it's not a crap episode. As most some people say, it's just I do think. And it, it might be a talky episode, not much action happening here, but I, I reckon it's just a three and a half, which is more than, uh, better than average, a lot better than average, actually. Cool. Well, I'm going to join Andrea on a two. Um, yeah, whatever. It could have been amazing, um, but it was not, and it irritated me. Um, anyway, enough of what we think. Let's find out what you think. It's listeners' feedback. <laughs> We've heard what we think, naturally on. So let's find out what you lovely people think. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, Andrea, because he, Gary Russell, speaks in your native tongue. I feel like there's an obligatory hello, Bob, coming on. <laughs> right, I got so excited that Burnham might be leaving, but no. Here we have another episode of the Michael Burnham show. I'm sick of it. There are so many great characters on Discovery that need more screen time, yet the focus is still on Crybaby Burnham. Oh, and the burn is so obviously about Burnham. 0. 0.5 out of 100. Brutal and scathing. Wow, was uh, John? Jack McMorrow says, yes, hi, I was hoping to get a front-end realignment for my car. Oh, wrong page. Hey. Cowboy Diplomacy in Season 3 just keeps getting better. 4.75 slices of pumpkin pie out of 5. Okay, Jack loved it. Uh, Lindsay? So I've got Rick Scott. I think it's getting better. I dislike Seasons 1 and 2, but I think the format and themes are moving back to what Trek is about, and the writing is getting better. They are even addressing some of the things that were off before, like the casual insubordination. Some of the jarring elements of Discovery are still present, but for me it's a matter of overall balance and having some benchmarks for quality of script, character and storytelling. And there I think Discovery is levelling up. That said, the thing about arc-heavy storytelling is that a lot rises and falls on the big stories, so there is a lot riding on where the Burn and Georgiou storylines go. Lovely, thank you very much indeed. Uh, John? Uh, just no, 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 sorry, sorry, it's okay, it's okay, I got it, I got yeah. it wrong there, didn't I, the order. We've got Joshua Dyball, and he's put, really enjoyed this one, a true love letter to Star Trek. So clever how they're weaving all the Trek lore together without cocking it up. And so moving to see Spock, that I almost shed a tear. And the Picard name drop was cool too. Glad Burnham's mom has, has popped up, uh, glad Burnham's mom has popped up already was worried we were going to get a search for Spock's mom's story thankfully not Tilly getting promoted from Ensign to number one was ridiculous though there's no way this would happen other staff would be up in arms about it rather than singing yes just say yes can you honestly see a captain in the ship when Saru's not about 
all, all in all, it was a cracking episode. Four lights out of five. Cheers, wow. Josh. Strong, Josh. Very strong. I've got Darren Must. Uh, awful. Uh, another truly bad episode of the Michael Burnham I'm the bestest ever show. Uh, it, it's really been bad this season. I have no idea uh, why it's got a fourth one green lit. Uh, literally nothing has happened uh, this season and I uh, and I bet the burn is yet again all about Burnham I mean it's it's in the name uh, maybe because she's caused it Burnham I love Burnham sometimes a bit crispy on the outside anyway uh, maybe then everyone who hated her uh, will love her once again because uh, she's the bestest ever two crybabies out of ten wow thank you Darren uh, back to you Andrea um, we've got Mark Cochran I really liked last week's episode, which everyone seemed very near about. So did I, actually. Um, perhaps it's because I'm a casual Trek fan and I'm not so familiar with all the cultural bobbins from previous iterations, but I found this one a bit dull. There were some nice character moments for Tilly and Saru is definitely in there with the Vulcan Romulan leader. We're here. Um, otherwise, I found it all a bit soporific. One light out of five. Can't tell you how much I adored Grumpy Sucky last week. Right, now it's back to watching The Mandalorian. Which was fucking ace again this week. Uh, John? Chapstick Dive says, Whispering, annoying Burnham show. It's crazy she has taken over so much of the last few episodes. Why is the stepsister who disappeared 900 years ago of Spock's relevant to the Pointy Ear Collective? Saru is a great captain. Let it run from him and the crew, not just as a supporting cast to Burnham. I felt very let down by this episode. Her mum turns up and after hardly seeing her daughter stays with the Twisted Sister Convent. Nice job for Tilly and a little well done from all her mates but even the rousing music that accompanies these little moments is becoming tiresome. So much potential for the show and hope the next few episodes that it builds upon uh, it, that it builds up more as a team than a lone wolf solving the mystery. One out of five lights and even that is blinking. Wow, Cheers, Sheps. Cheers, Sheps. Oof, scathing. Um, uh, Lindsay? Uh, so I have uh, Marcus Squire. I'm not the same person, says St. Michael of Burnham. The problem being that she is exactly the same person that so annoyed me in season one. All the balance that we got in season two with Pike and Spock is gone, and we're back to the saviour of the known universe and the most righteous person ever, thanks to dreadful writing. Lots of reviewers and fans seem to be sold on the over-emotional and self-absorbed characters with the requirements just being that everyone, viewers and actors, gets teary-eyed as often as possible. But good writing, we want to. You could argue that tears come with good writing, but we'll move swiftly on. <laughs> um, so this week's gem of an idea was that to convince the scientific forum of her arguments, St. Michael engaged on a full-on psychotherapy session with her mum and explored her feelings in front of the forum. And it worked because plot. Burnham was demoted last week, like that matters. This week, Blandy McBland Vance, an obvious badan, decides they need Michael Burnham and squeeze with fanboy joy, tell them Michael Burnham is coming. Piss take on the iconic Spock character again with the implication that St. Michael made him the man slash Vulcan he was. More tears, Saru appoints the most inappropriate person you could think of as number one. Luckily, St. Michael improves. The Vulcan president and Saru had some decent time on screen and provided the most intrigue. I'm convinced all is not right with the Federation and that this backs it up. Those two characters conversing was the best part of the show. Still amazed that nobody is taking any steps to replicate Discovery's technology, but people are too busy crying to actually do anything useful. I am going to interject and point out that all of this chat about people crying is just nonsense, because they occasionally get teary-eyed, and as somebody who genuinely ugly cries all the time, 
I think people just, are making far too much of this. People, just people's opinion. True facts, but they're uh, like they're going to struggle to find all these massive crying scenes they keep talking about because there's just not like there's just not people are not constantly on crying jacks. So yeah, well, a lot of one-eyed people have uh, have cried in Sucky's beard. Bob, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, low tone even for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight came in my head, I thought of it, it was funny. Okay, well, thank it. you very much indeed. Uh, Sucky, over to you. We've got the lovely Mark Atkinson. Uh, oh, I'm getting really bored of discovering another dull talky episode, concentrating on the Arbor Ernie's self righteous Burnham. It failed to engage me on every level. After a strong start to the season, I'm losing interest fast. Five out of ten. Well, yeah. <laughs> probably disagree with Matt there quite a lot um, we have I presume this is our Debs it is it posh so posh um, I see uh, that not not many uh, like this episode uh, but the story out made sense and I hope that this will mark the beginning of a new chapter of the series Tilly standing up to Michael was great to see she's evolved loads but I'm not sure it's enough to be first officer I did smile at that though I like Tilly uh, seeing Michael doing a, a bit of rumpy pumpy with Buck was interesting sure she wasn't feeling very Starfleet as she wasn't having sex with uh, regulation Starfleet t-shirt and undies on even Lorca had his pants on alas uh, 12 months together uh, Buck and Michael didn't shag at all five minutes of discovery and they're off <laughs> uh, there are there are uh, sorry there are string string what's that say pheromones. strong pheromones oh there are strong pheromones in, in, that, in that ship so off they go to Navarre the planet formerly known uh, as the as the aliens say as, as the aliens who say me apparently uh, they did a, a Frexit uh, from the Federation after data uh, after data from Vulcan Analytica uh, showed they caused the burn of course Burnham is the only one uh, who can save the day and things get very emotional you can tell because Burnham's whispering increases um, it also occurred to me that the Vulcans must have evolved from Yorkshire because they speak Yorkshire-ish um, as it is Talca uh, whatever that says uh, Colin Kett thank you very much uh, met to discuss T-Burn uh, and Siru and Tarina uh, are definitely going to T-Rumpy Pumpy uh, they were so sweet together uh, very disappointed there was no um, Adira this week uh, I hope we get more of them soon a great character um, it was TNG uh it was sorry. It was very TNG in style and lovely to see the USS uh, Yeltsin uh, and Grudge was back. Um, I didn't hate it, uh, but I do hope we can now focus on focus on some more characters. Three point five rumpy bumpies out of uh, five. Um, yeah, and then we go on to back to Andrea. Just landed, yeah. hot off the press. Oh. Thought I was there. I thought I'd uh, missed something there. <laughs> right, so it's Bruce Wayne from Twitter. Um, Unification three. I wonder if that title was more about what they are hoping to do with the fan base than the story itself. If it was the former, I'm afraid they're sadly mistaken. The story just felt like a 45-minute laden attempt to prove to malcontents that Discovery is firmly in the prime timeline. Spock's reunification haven't taken place, and Nero's time incursion haven't never taken place. But it was the Burnham show again, when things go downhill and get annoying all too quickly. 
why one of her crewmates hasn't thumped Burnham yet is beyond me. And she just displays a self-important, I know best willingness to upset everyone and ignore all orders. I think the conversation in bed with Butler was right, that she said she had an overdeveloped messianic god complex and I fear that the writers will only reinforce that belief before the end of the series. The story has dipped over the last couple of weeks, the early promise dented and this is dragging unnecessarily towards a conclusion showing being a brat by peers and the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. For me, I feel generous given this two lights out of five. Wow, sir, Bruce. Well, thank you very much indeed, as always, for all your feedback. Oh, have you got more, Sucky? You hit me. Yeah. You can do it then if you're getting all this out of the press. Hold on one second. Um, one. Now there's two. Two. Uh, I'll do the Rick Scott, uh, Rick Scott, because uh, he's actually replied back to Gary uh, earlier on, and he was a kind. Of, I kind of get the impression they were actually foreshadowing the involvement of the Mirror Universe with Philip's interrogation and Starfleet's obvious interest in her and her universe, which might be interesting. Except I'll be disappointed if it turns out that the current Starfleet has been taken over by Mirror Universe counterparts. There's all the Vadrash stuff that's been dropped and hinted at which could lead to that it would just be another lazy conspiracy story that's uh, Rick hmm. replying to uh, Gary and then Gary? there was one other who's the other Lindsay have you got the other one there yeah so um, short and sweet from Alan Neville I'm not crying you're crying <laughs> brilliant thank you very much indeed for all the feedback as always uh, and keep it a coming anyway time to vote for this week's red shirt I woke up this morning Put on my red shirt. Oh, Ooh, red shirt time. Sucky, I'm going to come to you first. I'm going to be voting for you, Bob, because of all this beard and jizz and spaff and crap like that. So you, you knew it was coming, so obviously oh, it's going to be you. Thanks very much, Sucky. That's fine. Uh, Lindsay? Uh, I am going to vote for Paul. No, I'm not. I'm going to vote for John uh, for oh, what? Just what? not being happy about embracing his inner space bear this week. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's your reasoning. Yeah. You had nothing else to base it on, then, did you? No, not really. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's I'm all. Gonna, I, well, I'm going to chuck my vote in now because I know people don't like to leave the end. My vote's Lindsay again. Where's my fucking letter? I haven't read it. I haven't read. It. I haven't even read it. To be fair, yeah. Well, I know you because I even sent you my address this time, so you know you where did. to send the you letter did. to. Sorry, it's been about uh, a week. Yeah, I and promise. also I bought you a fucking really awesome like specialist Harry Potter paper and all sorts with fucking stuff on it, real special for when I reply. Okay, I'm on the case. I will do yeah. it this evening. I'm just saying, just saying. So red shirt again for not writing me a letter. Also, I'm just probably going to draw a massive cock on it, detailed, and then send you that, just because I'm hilarious. <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, I, I want my letter because I've got them ready. I've ready. I've got the stamps, the, my pens, nice pens. Okay, okay, I'm on the case. I'm on the case. Okay, Andrea. Um, <laughs> it's ready. Point. Oh, it's quite a tough one this week. <laughs> um, I always vote for Bob, don't I? Oh, um, yeah. I, I'm going to vote for John just to spread the love <sighs> a bit. And I think, like, since he how is that spreading the love to me? <laughs> because <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you were so like jolly and enthusiastic about this episode and I think I prefer you when you're grumpy and say it's shite so. grumpy is my, my persona not John's <laughs> well what we got then we've got um, Lindsay on one John on two wow uh, me on one John 
Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel slightly uh, victimised this week from oh. the two girls always picking me when they just can't be, when they don't want to pick you for some reason, Bob, and I don't understand because my I opinion Bob is every week. Like I don't I think that's the issue. Uh, Bob, Bob except loves except now. I mean, that's it. I take that as a personal attack. Andrew, um, so. Andrew even picked me last week, and she wasn't even on the show. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'd be easy to pick Bob for about a billion reasons, but I'm going to pick Lindsay because ah. of a uh, appalling reason for a red shirt pick. Right, so that's <laughs> two each for you two, isn't it? So you've drawn. Are we going to kill them? What do you reckon? I think, I think we should, should have to stay in a room together, right? Ah. Like all eternity, like arguing about like issues yeah. and see who survives. Basically, I, I think that one person might like. Well, you know what you know what happens when she argues with somebody who doesn't like it, she's only me in the bollocks. It will it will end yeah, very quickly. We found out she's very aggressive this week. Uh, I mean, I think there's that as in well. Fact, but I think... that might be my red shirt reason. In fact, because <laughs> it was so, like 20 years ago. I need some random I mean, boy in the bollocks. I mean, there's just, no, just... there's no. Uh, I mean, you three happened many years ago, but you know, there's lots. Yes, yeah, there's, there's, there's still there's still repercussions. <laughs> And I also, I think they should wear the Starfleet vest and pants as well as a form of contraception. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so definitely. Right. Horrible. Yeah, this is now all happening in the decon chamber, isn't it? Our Enterprise. <laughs> oh, oh my, my God. God, John and Lindsay <laughs> looping each other up. And, I'll only and, do, and, I'll only do it if they get a beagle in there with us. <laughs> oh, that would totally make it totally adorable. Imagine that. <laughs> this is. I've got it now. John and John and Lindsay are gonna lube up a beagle. <laughs> and because of you so much lube it's gonna fall on the floor and slip over and die with bashing their heads. Nice. Kill Yeah, that's what I feel my vote for John is now justified if he's like bringing a, be- a beagle into proceedings. <laughs> I think that's reason enough to yeah. read somebody. Your, your pair of that, fucking... even that's a king too far for me. Yeah. Be- you beagle you beagle lubers. Anyway, that's you two. Lindsay and John, bless him. Um are uh, uh, the red chairs this week. Anyway, let's move on. Well, that's us. We're done now. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, and thank you very much for, for joining me, everyone, as always. It's been a pleasure. Um, we'll be back, obviously, next week um, with our next review of Star Trek Discovery. But until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 John. Oh, shit. We're not still doing this, are we? No. What, what, would, what, right. what, what, what didn't you do there? Uh, I fulfilled all my obligations as regard the podcast. Um, yep. I helped you set up the audio earlier, so I don't know why you're picking on me now. Which was also a free trial download and lasted nine minutes. <laughs> um, oh, <wow. laughs> so, John, John, just say bye. Just say bye. Come on. Uh, I feel like you're trying to pressure me into it, and I'm not going to just do it because you want me to. Come on, just say it. If you ask, if you ask in a nice way. John, please, can you say bye yeah, to our darling? Not nice enough. Right, okay. Fuck off, nice Fuck off then. Bye! <laughs>